0: Hello, welcome to the Adventist Healthcare and New Podcast. This is Shanna. And I'm Nimit. We are back and here to talk about the latest in breast cancer treatments and screenings. We have two wonderful guests today who are experts in breast health. We have Dr. Sarupa Sengupta, who is a breast surgical oncologist at the Aquilino Cancer Center. Welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And we also have Dr. Eva Duckett, who's the director of women's imaging at Adventist Healthcare. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome back. Because you yes. were in before. Yes. So we are so pleased to have both of you here today. We are happy to be here. Thank you. So as we get started, let's tell our listeners a little bit about you and your particular specialty. So um, Dr. Sangupta, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you help women.
1: Sure. So I'm a breast surgical oncologist, and what that means is that I'm a general surgeon who has specialty training in all diseases of the breast, both benign and malignant. So I deal with breast cancer as well as with everything else that can be found in the breast that may not be cancerous.
0: And Dr. Duckett, how do you work with women?
2: Well, I am a breast imaging radiologist. So I am the person who reads the mammograms and does your biopsy, and hopefully helps you navigate through any other uh, issues. And that's why Dr. Sengupta and I work so closely together, because we often are taking care of the same patients. Kind of, It's a continuum.
0: Okay, well, thank you. Uh, Let's start with Dr. Duckett. Often the journey for a woman with breast cancer or who may be having issues starts at a mammogram and understanding when they need one, what are the latest recommendations out there? I know there were some changes many, a couple years ago, and then more recent changes. It causes some confusion. What What are the latest recommendations for women?
2: Yes, absolutely. There was a lot of confusion. So the women at average risk should start their mammograms at age 40 and get one every year thereafter. And when I say average risk, that means that you don't have as far as you know, a very strong family history or carry a gene that might increase your risk. In those cases, sometimes we will start you at younger ages, but your doctor and I can help you with that.
3: And what about uh, women with their higher risk? What are some of the screenings for those um, individuals?
2: So women at higher risk very often will be screened twice a year instead of just the mammogram per year. So usually you'll get your mammogram when it's time and six months out from that, you might get a breast MRI so that way you're being screened at least twice a year. The average doubling time for cancers is usually about 180 days or six months. So we actually could see a change in that time frame. Um, we actually just had a patient that that happened with. So we definitely want to watch the, a little closer surveillance for those patients um, and just especially patients that carry the BRCA1 or 2 genes.
3: And, and what are some of the other factors that there will be considered higher risk of, so you know, how is a woman considered higher risk?
1: So I can take this question, actually, if that's okay. Uh So there's a couple of things that we look at to determine a woman's risk for cancer. We look at things that are called modifiable risk factors, right, Mm -hmm. which are the things we can change. So your weight, your activity level, um, your diet, smoking, alcohol, all of those things are modifiable risk factors for breast cancer. So we want to make sure that you don't ever start smoking. Keep your alcohol intake to a minimum. Get your body moving as much as you can. Keep a healthy weight. So those things we can fix. The things that we can't change that are risk factors for breast cancer are being female and getting older. So those are the ones that are kind of the average risk patient. So what makes somebody else high risk? So in addition to the BRCA1 and 2 genes, there are actually some other genes, specifically another gene called PALB, which many people may have heard of because it was in the lay press recently, a lot of information about this particular Mm -hmm. gene. That is another high risk breast cancer gene. Um, additionally, even if you're gene negative, if you have a very strong family history. yeah so a lot of first- degree relatives like a mom, an aunt, a sister, a first cousin, maybe all of those with breast cancer, we take all of that into consideration when looking at a woman's risk for cancer.
3: Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that when people have family history of, of certain disease, you know, whether it be cancer or cardiac or, or any of the other you know um, pathological diseases there's still a lot of um, risk factors that they're, they put themselves at a higher Definitely. level and need to be tested or screened first.
0: I'd like to go back to something that you said, Dr. Deckett, about at average risk to get screened mammogram once a year, twice a year if you're at higher risk, if that's you know what is needed based on your doctor's recommendations. Why is it so important to be screened at least once a year, Um you know, even if you're not having any problems, I always feel like that's, I feel fine. I don't I don't need to do anything. Yeah. Why is it so important to stay up to that?
2: Well, early detection is the key. Yes. Yeah. The, we don't know 100% what starts the cells to change. And the earlier that we can catch breast cancer, the higher our rates of success at curing it. And we've actually decreased the mortality from breast cancer by about 40% since we started doing mammograms back in the 80s. And we saw a little bump during COVID when a lot of women skipped their mammogram. Probably those cancers we would have picked up a year or two into it that they skipped that year. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to come every single year. okay, And make sure you're getting a 3D mammogram, which should be our standard of care these days. Everybody's doing a 3D. That gives us a lot more detail of the breast. It goes kind of layer by layer through the tissue. So we can really pick up tinier lesions these days.
0: Dr. Sangupto, if you are diagnosed, unfortunately... What are some of the latest treatments available to women?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think when a woman gets a first diagnosis of cancer, the immediate response is panic, right? Everybody hears the word cancer and the thought is, oh my gosh, does this mean the end of my life? And I think the thing that I would like to emphasize, and this goes along what Dr. Duckett said earlier, is we have significantly decreased the mortality of breast cancer because we are able to catch them early. So I just wanna kind of Mm reemphasize what was already said about screening. So once the diagnosis happens, the next couple of things that are gonna happen, usually either your primary care OB or the radiologist team, one of the doctors will give you a call and let you know the diagnosis. The next step is gonna be establishing care with a breast care specialist. Mm -hmm. For most women, that starts with me as the breast surgeon. And for some patients, it will actually start with a medical oncology team. So either way, you're in the right boat, regardless of who you see first. Once you meet with that specialist, they will go over with you in detail what the next steps are going to be. Whether that's going to be surgery, followed by radiation, followed by medical management, or if it's going to be medical management first, followed by surgery, then by radiation. Each patient's case is different, and we target our treatments to each patient and their cancer. So I'm not going to sit here and give kind of an overarching Mm -hmm. view, because every patient's journey is going to be different based on what they have. But that's pretty much the continuum of what should happen. Someone, one of the doctors will call you with the diagnosis. You'll meet with the first breast care specialist. Mm -hmm. We'll establish a plan of care at that point, and then the next step will be to execute that plan.
0: I think that's important to note here is is that every case is individualized now. It's not a one size fits all. And I think that might be something that everybody kind of just assumes, "Oh, I'm going to have to have this, I'm going to have to have that, and I'm going to have to have that." And it's that's not always that's not actually the case anymore. Everybody kind of finds what is going to work best for them based on their type of tumor. Yeah, definitely. And I think
1: one of the things that I tell my patients all the time that when you get a diagnosis of breast cancer, People come out of the woodwork, right? My grandmother's sister's neighbor had this and she had A, B, and C. And how come you're not having A, B, and C? And I think the big thing to remember is that, and I tell this to my patients and I'll say this online now too, the only people making decisions about you and your type of cancer are the people sitting in that room when you have that conversation with your breast cancer team. Okay? And every single patient's journey is different. So although all of your relatives and family and friends, everybody means really well, they care and they're concerned, just please keep in mind that your treatment may be different than your grandmother's neighbor's daughter's mm-hmm. care who had a totally different type of cancer.
3: Yeah, I think that's what's important for each patient to you know, be open and honest and build a relationship with the provider to make sure they're discussing you know, all the family history or all the medications they're taking or even lifestyle that, you know, if they're a heavy smoker or if they have, you know, X amount of alcohol um, per week, um, they need to, like, have to communicate that with, with their physicians and, and make sure that they could have a plan of care that adapts to their lifestyle as well and if, to modify some of the behaviors if they're able to. So, Dr. um what are some of the advances we have done over the past decades? You know, I know the treatments in general have advanced significantly, what about in breast cancer specifically? What are some of the advances that we've done?
1: There's been a lot of advance in breast cancer. So historically, like, you know, 30, 40 years ago, every single patient used to get chemotherapy. Yeah. And now we do what's called genomic testing on specifically hormone receptor positive cancers. And that genomic testing looks at the DNA of the tumor and lets us know if that patient's going to need chemotherapy or not, mm-hmm. which is revolutionary because yeah. a whole contingent of patients now will never need to see chemotherapy wow. for breast cancer, which is awesome.
2: That's amazing.
1: Um, in terms of chemotherapy, I'm a little bit out of my wheelhouse here, but I'll tell you what I know. There are very targeted therapies for certain types of cancers as well. And that we have seen both in the metastatic setting and in the stage one, two, and three setting as well, that these targeted therapies work to target specific types of cancer and are incredibly effective in treating those types of cancer. From a surgical perspective, there's been a lot of um, what's called de-escalation of therapy. So we have done a lot of research to figure out how can we minimally invasively treat these cancers, right? Mm -hmm. What can we emit? So historically, everybody used to get mastectomies. Now the majority of women get to save their breast and we only do a small surgery with the tumor in it and some normal tissue around it. There's been some new discussion about emitting sentinel lymph node biopsy in women over 70 with really early stage good prognostic tumors, which eliminates an entire surgical procedure at the time of your operation. So there's been a lot of advances in how we treat breast cancer over the past 30 to 40 years, which are pretty incredible for women, and especially considering one in eight women in this country will get cancer. The fact that we can now de-escalate therapy for all of these women is pretty awesome. Yeah, that between,
3: is, that's amazing. Yeah, between targeting specific receptors and you know decreasing uh, invasive surgeries, I feel like there's like a huge win over the past few decades. So thank you for sharing that.
0: We've gotten better at detecting, we've got better at treating, and that just makes it just easier and, yeah. and better for women. It's amazing to be part of. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's been in the news lately, Dr. Duckett, is dense breasts. Yes. So, Tell us what that is and how does that affect a woman's risk for breast cancer?
2: So the density of the breast, we're talking about the hormonal glandular tissue that each woman has in her breast, whether you have very little or whether you have a lot. So some women's breasts are very dense, meaning they have a lot of that dense tissue and not so much of the fatty tissue in their breast. The problem with that is it kind of looks like a snowstorm to me on the mammogram and also cancer is white on the mammogram. So it can think of a snowflake in the snowstorm. So we're trying to find that bad area within the snowstorm, whereas a woman who has mostly fatty tissue in her breast is a lot easier to pick up. So the dense breasts are a little harder to read. And they did, I believe, add dense breasts as a secondary risk factor Mm -hmm. a few years back just because... Most of our breast cancers are linked to the hormones, mostly estrogen, progesterone. We check the receptors on tumors for that. So um, they think that women that have more of that dense tissue might have a little higher risk because of their their hormonal um, changes in their breast. The 3D mammogram, once again, is our hopeful savior Mm -hmm. to some respects on that because it does go layer by layer through the tissue. We can find something even in the densest breast with the 3D mammogram. Also, if a patient is feeling a lump and they have dense breast, they almost always would get an ultrasound or a sonogram, same thing, just to look through the tissue very carefully and make sure there's not a little tiny something hiding within that density. And that's another good secondary test that we do for women with dense breasts. At our Shady Grove location, we have the automated whole breast ultrasound mm-hmm. machine there, and that gives us a global look at the breast. It's a full breast ultrasound, both sides, um, with an automated machine, so it's not tech-dependent so much. Um, so that's another good exam, too, that a dense breast woman might consider. Let's
0: bust some myths here at <laughs> the end. Good.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, one of the, the bigger ones that has been out there for a while is mammograms can cause cancer. Is that true or not true, Dr. Duckett?
2: Fiction. (laughs) So mammograms have never been shown to cause cancer. And the, the radiation dose that we use now is so much less than the old days when we used to actually hang the films up on the light board and look at them. So... The benefits of getting your mammogram so far outweigh that little bit of radiation that you're going to get. You probably got more radiation coming over to get your mammogram from the <laughs> environment than you're going to get from your mammogram. I, some of my, my patients are very anxious. I stand in there with them. So um, it's very safe. That's good one to of, know. One of the
1: things that I tell my patients all the time is that you get more radiation flying to California than you get from one mammogram. So imagine all the people you know in D.C. that are weekday commuters <laughs> across the country, right? Yeah. So that's kind of a perspective. And is that is that an accurate description, you think? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: All right. Another another myth is that, you know, you have to have a family history to get a mammogram. If you don't have a family history, then you don't need to have a mammogram.
1: Or, Deve- worry, or about, worry about developing yeah, breast cancer. Exactly. Yeah, so that's definitely false. The majority of breast cancers that are diagnosed in the United States are completely what we call de novo. So they come, for the layperson, out of nowhere. You don't have to have a family history at all in order to develop a breast cancer. So this is important because we want to make sure that people who don't have family histories also realize that just by being in this country and living the lifestyle that we live here, you still have a risk of breast cancer. And the best way to cure that cancer is to be able to detect it early. So yes, you definitely do not need to have a family history at all to develop cancer.
0: And to get your mammogram, and so to get your mammogram, you mammograms. still got to get Correct. that mammogram regardless.
2: Absolutely, I think it's only it's only like five percent, maybe a little higher than that now. Of of the breast cancers that we detect, are actually in family history. Most of the women, the large majority of women, have no reason for us to think they were high risk or carry any risk factor or gene. So the biggest risk factor is being a woman, yeah. So and, and your age, getting older, and yes. getting older, <laughs> come, which is great.
3: Non-modifiable. Exactly. Yep. exactly. <laughs> you Can't do anything
0: about it. Any other myths that either one of you uh, would like to uh, bust today? Were those the the two big ones? I think those are the two big ones. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, we always like to ask our experts if they would share with our listeners one recommendation you have to live a healthier life. Dr. Sangupta, you want to go first? Sure, I'll
1: go first. (laughs) Um, This is something that I I personally believe in wholeheartedly, and I have passed this along to my patients who come to me both with and without cancer. One of the most important things in in the world that we live in right now, there's a lot coming at us, right? Social media, the news, the world, a lot of things are coming at us. So it's really, really important for each one of us to take care of not only our bodies, right? Getting exercise, getting good sleep, having a good diet, But taking care of our minds as well, right? Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of kind of anxiety and depression and isolation that's been going on, especially since the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage everybody to do things that give their brains a rest, right? Whether you like to draw or whether you like to run or whether you like to do Zumba, Mm -hmm. any of these things. Take time out for yourself and really take care of both your mind and your body.
0: I love it. Dr. Duckett?
2: Yeah, I would build on that one, too, because I always tell the patients, be your own advocate. Yeah. If something doesn't seem right, get it checked out. And not just your breasts, but all of your screening exams, make sure that you get that because that is taking care of yourself. So make sure that if you don't feel like you're getting the right answer, that you ask someone else. And if something doesn't feel right, get it checked out. So I just be your own advocate. That is my mm. best advice. I love it.
3: Yeah, I think one of the things we're seeing over the Couple of years of doing the podcast is that you know, just how the healthy living and having the best relationship with your primary care provider and ensuring you're doing your normal visits with them because there's so many screenings out there and so much data out there and changing data as well. You know, sometimes the screening is at 50 years, sometimes at 40 years. So, just having the open line of communication is so highly valuable. And if that communication is not working, find somebody else who you could build that relationship with. Um, but it's you know, just healthy living, just ensure that you're advocating for yourself, for your body, for your mind is is highly crucial.
0: Thank you both for coming in today. This was wonderful information. And it was a good reminder for me to book my mammogram because I'm (laughs) overdue. (laughs) So for all our listeners, if you're overdue too, go ahead and book your mammogram. (laughs) Um, So thank you all. We are grateful to our listeners for tuning in today. And we hope that what we've shared with you is helpful don't forget to take Adventist Healthcare's online health risk assessment to discover your risk for breast cancer. And it's important to understand your risk and schedule that mammogram. You can find it at yourbreasthealth.com. Thank you to our experts for coming in, sharing all this great information. If you'd like to find them, check out AdventistHealthcare.com and search find a doctor. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you get all the new episodes. Thank you.